BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is Pre-Market Prep. Boom! Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday's Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick with you today. It is quiet out there. It is quiet. We're coming to, you know, Christmas Eve. It's people are out of town. But that's not to say there aren't things to discuss. We got Tesla on the radar. We got Alibaba on the radar. We got the the unwinding a little bit of the safety trade yesterday. We're going to talk about that. We'll have Chris Temple on the show today. He's editor of the National Investor. He'll be on at 835. So we got a lot to get to. We will take questions from our chat. As always, let's roll that intro. All right, let's bring on Triple D. Dennis, good morning, man. What's up? Uh, talk to me. Talk to you. I'm talking to you right now. What's going let's, on? Let's bring up the what's up, everyone in chat. How we doing? Martin, Zippity, Raul, Nature Franz, Howard, Pat, uh, Bill. Everyone, I can't name you all. There's too many, but good morning, everybody. Hope you're all having a good start to your day. Uh, before I proceed with the, the markets and the chat and all that good stuff, I want to make another call to action. I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again today. Uh, we are doing an end of year 2022 Benzinga YouTube survey, improvement survey. We're taking feedback from our audience. What do you want to see from this show or any show? next year how can we get better i'm putting the link to that survey in the chat right now it is obviously free we're we're not getting any of your information whatsoever but take it give us your feedback we take it very very seriously please and thank you that being said let's bring up the charts here i've got the spy open dennis because um 
Joel ain't here, so sure. when, when Joel's gone, we 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 only look at Spy. We look at Spy because <laughs> I don't like paying for futures quotes. And it's quiet. It's too quiet out there, Dennis. It is the too calm quiet. before the storm. That's is exactly that what, what Enver said an hour ago or a half hour ago. But um, one of these days we're gonna get Enver on the show. I'm telling you, the background. It's <laughs> in the background. He's running this whole thing, and he never comes on and says hi. He doesn't want to come on and say hi to no, us. Maybe he's never said hi. If you want Enver to come on the show, drop it, drop it in the survey, and, and, and we want to meet Enver. We can make it happen. Uh, anyway, quiet market. Yep. Oh, the spy. You can look at the cues. Uh, down a smidgen, but if you just zoom out to you know yesterday's candles, you can just see overnight overnight session super super quiet. Uh, even the IWM too. Everything quiet. Everything quiet uh, yeah. across the board. Even Bitcoin is Bitcoin like flat. Bitcoin's basically when you're down two hundred forty dollars, that's flat for Bitcoin. Yeah, we call it stable coin now. What we'll call it stable. Coin oh, because it's stable. Is out. Yeah, it's flat now. Bitcoin's okay. flat. Okay. I mean, okay. So let's go. We got basically two stories today. They are Tesla and Alibaba. Then you got a couple earnings. But I mean, the big story of the day. Let's go to it. It's up thirty-five bucks. Elon Musk is done selling. At least that's what he says. Uh, that's what he said. He said he uh, actually he, he wasn't super. He's never super specific. He, no. I've, noticed, I've noticed that vague. He, yeah, he's always pretty vague. So he was asked, "Are you done?" And I, I don't. His exact words were, were like, "I think he was like, yeah, like I, I, I should I be I, done." Do we have the tweet? I, th- I think he says, like, I, I think I yeah. sold enough or something. We're all both butchering it because we're going from our memories. Yeah, which, memory I have here, the so. goldfish memory, which is like six seconds. So I've already forgotten what I was initially talking about here. Um, find the tweet. Um, In any regard, while he finds a tweet, I'll talk to you about the trade in action. It is up $35 on the tweet. I've got to think 1000 bucks is major resistance for this stock. I mean, we got up 994 back on the 16th, rejected. 1,000 was kind of the line in the sand. That's where we bounced off of twice in November. I know you can say it cuts through to 978, but we're just ballparking it. It's a $1,000 stock. So I think a $1,000 stock, old support becomes new resistance. I think you do find some resistance up there. It's getting the relief rally, obviously. You know, it's been a nice two-day rally for Tesla. Got all the way down to 886 yesterday. So you're talking about 100 points. So again, I'm not chasing here. You're coming in now. The people who are like, he's done selling by, it's going to the moon. Well, it right. just went to the moon. It went up a hundred bucks in a day. What do you want? The exact quote was: He was on a podcast. It wasn't a tweet. He was on a podcast, and he said, uh, "I've sold enough stock to get around the ten percent plus the extra, the option exercise stuff." So it sounds like he's done for now. Yeah, and the market is relieved of that fact because we know he's a big whale in there, and he's been putting pressure on the stock with all of his sales. So they're like, "That pressure is gone. The big whale is gone now. Now the stock can go back to the moon." It could. Yeah. It all depends on where we're going from here. Let's take it back to the S&P for a second because it was a fantastic day for the markets yesterday. Um, you'd think, you know, with the you know, with with uh, being up yesterday morning, they tried to knock it back down, but they couldn't. And then they continued to buy. And it's the market that just the dip buying will just not go away. And it does appear Santa Claus wants to come to town. Huge rally. I mean, if you're buying dips, you're killing it. If you're selling rips, you're killing it. So, I mean, continue to do what works. And I think we're just fading everything. If you're fading the moves here now, I think you're looking at SPY and saying, well, 470 is major resistance. is going to get all the way up there. I don't know. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere here. But I do think, you know, on dips, especially in the growthy names, which we've been talking about um, for the last four days now, the growthy names are getting bought on dips. The ARKK, 
not making new lows three days ago was key. Um, you can see a lot of the names that obviously she holds holding on well. Um, I, I think I'm a buyer of some growth names here. Um, like I said, I put some IWM in the portfolio the long term, bought two times. I bought IWM back, and the, it's the Canadian equivalent, but it holds IWM. Okay. Um, I bought it back on the 16th, and I believe the 17th. I don't think I bought any right at the low there. So I think I'm averaging around like 214 where I just bought. And I, I put this in the yeah. long-term retirement account. The whole reason for that is I was looking and analyzing, and I was like, I'm all mega caps. And you know what? It's been the year of the mega cap. It's time to do some reallocation. Like even if you look at what's up the most this year, I know uh, we saw a, a, a tweet go by where you know you're seeing Google up like 60% this year, and Apple had a great year, and Microsoft had a great year. And I'm just looking and looking at these stocks and they're dominating my portfolio because they went up so much. Google still, I think, one of my biggest holdings, if not my biggest holding. Um, I think Apple actually might top it. But I'm just thinking I need more diversification in the long-term account. And I need more exposure to some of these smaller companies because you know what? Maybe it's going to be the year of the small cap. It's been a really rough 2022 or 2021 for small caps. Maybe they come back in early 2022. And that's why I was picking on the IWM. Um, you know, I'm not so inclined to go and buy the Kathy names because I just don't like the valuations. But again, the IWM is going to give me some exposure to some of the smaller companies. And if it does, small caps do start to come back early in January, which I think, you know, they might. Um, I want some exposure there. Yeah. Yesterday was notable because it, it was definitely a, a buy almost everything kind of day, right? It, you, basically, every sector, with the exception of utilities and yeah. staples, which yeah. not coincidentally have been your two your two leaders here. I mean, look at the, the, the XLP, right? Uh, so the trade has now come off now for, you know, for, for a week. and But this has been your leader. And yesterday was it was kind of your, your biggest loser uh, of the sectors. Rotation. So, Risk yeah. On, risk off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really was that simple. And, and they were buying mm. pretty much everything else. Small cap, large cap, who gives a cap, right? I mean, it, <laughs> they buying, hey, I just made that up. Uh, they were buying it all. It, it was more of a sector rotation than it was a yeah. large cap or a small cap uh, rotation. Yeah. And those stocks in the XLP are definitely inversely correlated to the market right now. We know when the market was selling off, those stocks were getting bought. They're buying the Cokes and the Pepsis and the Procter and Gambles. Mm-hmm. They can't stop doing it. And now, like, we, and I, I thought it was overbought a week and a half ago. Like, even Procter and Gamble, when it went to 155, I was like, it's getting overdone. Well, it went to 161. It really got overdone. I feel like the top is in in these stocks. So I think you need to get a rally, unless we go and the market starts to crash again. But Let's just, you know, stop and look at, you know, the overall macro picture. And it is still cloudy. Nobody knows anything. Remember, we're just all speculating. But the more and more I see about everybody getting Omicron, I mean, now you got Dan Nathan on CNBC's got it. Carl Cantania's got it. Obviously, Jim, that came from Jim Cramer. And you look at these guys that have the variant. They have the virus right and they're, now. They're still and functioning. Right? They're on TV. Yeah. And they don't even look sick. Yeah. I mean, that is scaring people a hell of a lot less. As you get major people, you know, that are watched on TV that are sick and, and they have it right now and they're on TV and they're not sick, it makes them less scared. And I think that's why you're starting to see the reopening trade in the last two days really start to catch on. And that was the big driver yesterday, too. Like you can go and you can say, yeah, they bought everything and they really did. But the growth, the, the, look at American Airlines. Two days ago was 1640. Now we're talking 1840. That's just a quiet little 15% gain in two days. You know, RCL breaking out, running $7, running 10% in two days. 
CCL running up from 17 and a half to 2070. And yes, they had earnings in there, which may have helped, but that's a big move. So you can clearly see that the reopening trade is starting to catch on. Now, again, now I would wait for a pullback on these things now. It seems like this market always gives you another chance to get in. So maybe you get like a 50% retracement of this move. That's when you strike maybe. And maybe and maybe I will get into some of these reopening trades. So I don't know. I just, you know, I don't think that the market, I think it's getting less and less scared of this Omicron variant. Yeah. And, and let's not forget, you know, the Fed is still the story here. The Fed is still in play. That's right? the big problem. Right. You know, and that's the one that's not going away anytime soon is that if this Fed bull is punch bull is being yeah. taken away, they have done nothing, you know, and that's why I probably stay away from the really high growth stuff. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's lots of, you know, what do you consider, you know, when you go into a, a, a rising interest rate environment, you start buying banks. So I think the banks are cheap here. I mean, maybe there is a trade here. You know, you look at a Citigroup and it's been hammered. So maybe that's where you should be striking. You know, and I, I do have a small position on Citigroup, full disclosure. But, you know, I'm just looking like, you know, Bank America, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they've all been hit pretty good. So, and they're not expensive. Like Kramer's always, you know, talking Morgan Stanley and how it's not expensive. And it's true. It's not an expensive stock. So I think if you don't have any bank exposure, I think you do start to, because if we actually go into a rising interest rate environment, the banks are going to benefit from that. So, so yeah. And, and with regards to, to the virus, it, it's very difficult right now because it, it does seem like it definitely not everyone's on the same page, right? During, during the first wave, you had almost everyone on the same page. Okay, this, this thing is serious, right? And and, and every, the, the market reacted as such. But you, there's competing narratives here. Someone in the chat just said, just walk into a hospital and you'll, you'll change your tune. Maybe that's true, but it depends on the hospital, right? Because I, I, someone DM'd me yesterday, uh, uh, you know, an interview of uh, hospital CEO was on CNN saying, they're doing okay. Their ICU is not overcrowded. So it really just yeah. depends on their situation. I'm sure, yes, I'm sure some hospitals are at capacity or, or worse and, and it's bad there. But on the other hand, you get people with Omicron on TV doing their job and it doesn't yeah. seem as bad. So so it's difficult to, 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 to figure out, you know, on the one hand, you see a headline, everyone's getting the virus. On the other yeah. hand, um, it's not that serious. On the other hand, wait a minute. Everyone's pulling out of CES, right? CES is, is losing attendees left and right. JP Morgan conference, conference is, uh, is going virtual, right? And all these conferences for January are being canceled or, go, or going virtual or, or are losing attendees, right? Because they, they, they don't want to, you know, um, you know, uh, spread the virus around. So, so it's hard to wrap your head around which way it's going. And I, and, and, and I think that's playing out in the fact that the market, um, insofar as it factors in these things is it has not really made up its mind right about it um, well we don't know i mean and that's a little bit you know that's why you see both stories you see both narratives out yeah. there and you know you have bill gates talking you know overnight and saying we might be entering the worst part of the pandemic and i, I think from I a know. cases perspective <laughs> from a cases perspective that's probably correct i think we're gonna make new records on cases i think that's where it's trending to but if the cases, you know, and I don't know, I'm not in the hospitals, and I'm sure there's going to be some people that get sick. You know, yeah. I don't doubt that eventually some people are going to have some bad outcomes, you know, with this. But if the majority of people, and I'm talking, you know, the 99.9%, .9%, 
are going to get this and you know and 90 percent of them aren't going to be have any symptoms like let's talk to calgary flames organization you know and talk hockey for a second i think okay. it's like 17 players that have it and i think it's up to like of staff and stuff i think in all organizations almost 30 people that have the omni or that have you know covid and right. I'm assuming it's the omicron variant because it's spreading so fast um but they they asked you know they were talking to the organization well how many people are sick Yep. And he said, "There's well, there's four or five that have moderate symptoms, but he says the majority of them are asymptomatic. Okay, so, yeah. you know, yeah. you're talking, you know, when this majority is asymptomatic, now those people are all questioning, well, why are we so scared of this thing if I'm not getting sick? Um, and I think that's what a lot of people are questioning. Why are we, you know, taking the measures we're taking if the majority of people aren't even getting sick? I mean, Kramer was on TV yesterday and he said, you know, this is like the, the easiest illness I've ever had. So, and I, I don't know, you know, if he's just an exception here, but it sounds, from, from what we keep hearing, it sounds like he's not, you know, and the one thing it is spreading, you know, I have my friend, uh, one of my best friends there uh, in Ontario, and his, his uh, boy, 10-year-old boy plays hockey. Well, four, and this is kind of scary in itself, but four, four people on the team got diagnosed, so he had to quarantine for 10 days. He took the test, you know, right away, and he's negative. Yeah. Well, he was just coming out of his quarantine. He was hit day nine and he came out of his quarantine on, on day nine. He's like, okay, well, let's do one more test just to make sure. Cause you're out of your quarantine tomorrow and, he was... and he's bloody positive. Oh, so nine days later, yeah, it shows up positive. He's still yeah. asymptomatic. The kid's asymptomatic, but I mean, you know, you're talking like if it's really like hides in you for nine days before showing up, how do you control the spread? I don't know if you can. So, so my indicator as far as the market has and will continue to be this guy. Clorox, right? I I use that as like my fear gauge. When okay. Clorox starts going higher, I know people are afraid. Yeah, it's that, defensive, and people are spray, spraying everything with Clorox. Yeah, people are black <laughs> whites, right? right? I, I don't know. I just use that, and it may that may or may not be true anymore because now 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 that we know more about how it spreads, you know, it's not exactly going to spread from your. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're buying your groceries, you know, you're, you're touched. Maybe you will. I, I don't know. But I, I use Clorox as my fear gauge. Uh, when Clorox goes up, I assume fear is higher uh, about the virus and, and, and vice versa. Um, so, you know, came off yesterday. So I'm not sure what that means. But I guess that means we're not as afraid as we were the day before. Um, let's move on here. We, there's a couple more movers I want to get to. We talked about Tesla. It, it is your leader of the morning in terms of, like, big movers. Um, but we also have Alibaba, Dennis, and uh, yeah. let me pull up uh, not that let me pull up the Alibaba chart here. Alibaba is trading down four uh, percent this morning, um, and it took me a second to to figure out why. But uh, we haven't we haven't heard much out of the Chinese government um, as it pertains to specific stocks for a little bit here. But that's what we we've got here this morning. Now regulators have suspended Alibaba's cloud partnership i guess they're saying that uh, yeah. alibaba failed to uh report vulnerable this is what the government says so you know take that for what it's worth but they're saying that alibaba failed to report vulnerabilities in their open source uh cloud and so alibaba is now down four percent because of that um i mean this is scary actually just yeah. because you know you start to baba has a really good day yesterday you're like okay we're breaking out we didn't make a new all on the move technically this looks good and then you know here it is chinese government attacking them again maybe it's not a big deal but it's just the fact that they're coming in and they're doing stuff to them again i mean they won't leave them alone 
So, and this is the fear. This is the whole reason we've sold off from 300 to 117. It's not so much that Alibaba isn't, you know, do, doing well. It's more the fact that we don't know what the Chinese government's going to do to them next. So every time they come in and they do something to them, they hit the stock. With that being said, you have some fantastic support down here now. So low of the move, 108. That's quite a ways away. Low of the recent move, 113. I think you could try this dip. Again, all you can do on, it's been a difficult environment, obviously, you know, like trading hasn't been just, oh yeah, buy every dip and it goes back up. So, you know, it's been a different type of market right now, but I think you do find buyers in the 115, 116, 117 area for the simple reason is that some people want to get some more exposure here. And if you want to get exposure to names that potentially could turn it around from the January effect, Alibaba is one of those names. So I, I am not in the stock. Would I take a shot here? I might. I, I don't know if I will or not. Usually, you know, if I'm going to take a shot, it's after 930. And then, you know, I might take a shot leaning on that low. But if I was to do that, um, I would lean on the low at 113.69. So you got about five bucks of risk here still. Be nice if it came in a little bit more and you have a little bit less risk. But even yesterday's low, 116.60, I mean, that's going to be a big level of support too. So you're coming into big support here. So I think if you're selling Alibaba here, I actually think you're on the wrong side of the trade. Just, let's just take a moment to just like look at the Baba and and the K Web China sure. ETF and just like what what a fall from grace. Like you're now at your lowest level uh, basically in three years on on, on K Web, right? And actually Alibaba, you're at your lowest level in uh, what what is that? Four, is that four, that's four years? Yeah. But if you go out even farther than that and go out to, you know, like right. a decade, we've really gone nowhere for a decade on some of these. Not, not so much yeah. Alibaba and the K-Web maybe doesn't have, but just take up EEM. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at the Emerging Markets ETF. And obviously that's not just China. That's, you know, it's got some others in there. But look at it for the last decade. I mean, this is incredible. You think about the bull market that we've been in. And there you are. Back in 2013, we were $50 and we're $48 here today. So you're holding it for nine years. And it's basically you got a little dividend off it, but it's basically gone nowhere. Very, very, very disappointing for a long, long time. And maybe it was just too many people too excited about emerging markets years ago, paying too much valuation, and the valuations are starting to play catch up. I, I part of me like wants to, you know, and if I was buying, you know, anything emerging Asian, I'd probably go the emerging markets just so I don't have just direct exposure like an FXI to China. Because I just don't know what they're, but there's obviously you know a lot more to Asia than just China. EM gives you a little more exposure, so I have a, a couple of funds I think like like ETFs that have some EM in them. But it's been difficult. It's been a difficult, difficult long-term hold investing in Asia for the last decade. Yeah, and, and if you think about like the, the the type of people, the type of investors that own EEM, we're talking like big money, like. This is yeah. an asset. This is not a trade. This is an asset allocation type of thing, where where people will say, okay, five, ten percent, whatever, in EEM, you know. And this is big money. We're talking about big money here, right? So this is the, there are a lot of investors that have gone nowhere in 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 this portion of their portfolio for it's been a long year. time. And if you want to extrapolate even further, you can even say, well, they've you've gone nowhere in a lot of stocks too. It's mostly just yeah. you know the top five in the S and P, which you know there's something to be said for that too. Um, so I, I actually, I would love to see a chart of the EEM compared with the S and P 495. If you just take out like the FANG stocks and uh, I'd be curious to see how those, uh, the, the long-term performance of those, cause I bet you they're not that dissimilar. 
right? I'm sure the S&P without the FANG stocks have done better than the EM, but not by not by a lot, I, I bet, you know, because most of the growth has come from the top. So interesting. Uh, but Alibaba, like you said, at long-term support. Uh, are there other names, uh, other peers you're watching this morning uh, in relation to this? Is, is JD down? No, because uh, this is really – oh, yeah, it is actually, yeah, so I shouldn't you, say that. They all, are. Yeah, it's, having a, it's a rough morning for China again. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this again, you know, multiple times, obviously, but – um, JD's down 2.4%. Baba's down. Uh, Pinduoduo, yeah, it's down 2.4%. So, yeah, that's another rough one for China. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I saw someone in the chat talking about data. We are going to get uh, a GDP number at the A30, but it's not like the most important GDP number. It, it, it's just the final revision. It, it's it, every every quarter. You know, we we get uh, the GDP from the prior quarter, and then that number is then revised two two more times, right? This is the last revision of the Q3 GDP print, so it's it's probably not going to move markets, probably not going to going to change too much from what's already out there. So yes, we do have a number, but it's it's just going to be an update, and it's probably not going to. It's not typically a market moving event, is what I'm saying. So if you're watching for A30 data, um, there's really not a lot. That's market moving, at least, that, that's going on today. Although we do have consumer confidence at 10 o'clock, and consumer confidence has been tanking, which is interesting. But anyway, um, let, let's move away from that. Uh, I also wanted to talk. There's a few more movers on my list here, one of them being yeah. Kennedy Growth. Uh, I think they they called a stray from Bank America this morning. They called a downgrade, if memory serves. Let me pull up my, my sheet here. Yeah, B, uh, B of A. An Bank ugly America, note. Bank America downgrade to underperform. Ten dollar price. Well, we're already below that now. So okay, uh, but underperform from B of A on canopy growth, and it's down three point seven three percent right now. So downtrend continues. I it is so hard to get excited about yeah. the canopies and the Chronoses. Uh, All these stocks valuation has come to roost, and we've talked about this on this show. It's why I didn't own any pot stocks the whole time i didn't make the money on the way up but i'm not definitely not losing it on the way down and valuation never made sense on any of these names um it gave you a fantastic shot to get out of cgc again at the beginning of 2021 when everything blasted off i cannot believe this got back up to 56 dollars a share gifts of all gifts didn't make a new high on the move i guess that was the tell but yeah the big pot bubble from 2017 to 2019 where where, you know, where, where it was going to change the whole world mm-hmm. and the valuations never made sense and competition has come now, you know, as a bazillion companies doing it and you're looking at the valuations and saying, okay, well, you know, a lot of these companies still aren't even making money. And if they are, it doesn't substantiate, it doesn't, you know, justify ridiculously high valuations. So, I mean, you're at $9 is going back to 50 or 60. I don't think so. I don't think it's ever going back there, but I guess you can never say never. Um, I think the probably the path of least resistance for a lot of these stocks is still lower. But again, January effects coming. These are beaten down names that are getting, you know, hit with tax loss selling. So I do believe that Bank of America is late to the party here. I think you could see a relief pop in January. I'd be seller of those pops though in the pot stocks. But I think you could see a January effect where a lot of these beaten down names, including some of these pot stocks, actually rally for the first week or two of January. Yeah, third wave said you know CGC is a long hold, you, and that's that's how you you have to approach this if you're in it for more than a trade. You gotta kind of just stick it in a drawer. Well, it, I think that's exactly wrong. 
because well, I think I if, if you're going to go on these names I and they say, oh, it's a long-term hold because they're way down in it, you got to use valuation to get there. Right. I mean, what is CGC worth? What is the market capital? What is the PE All on right. CGC? I don't think they make money, so they probably can't even get a PE off it. Do they make money? Price of sales of eight. eight is, is that eight or three? That's an eight. That's high. Uh, yeah, no, it's still high. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, pun fully, not, not really intended. 3.4 billion bucks. I mean, it's worth 3.4 billion. There's a bazillion companies doing the same thing now. So you can yeah. say, well, it was worth $30 billion before, which never should have been worth that, or $20 billion before. It never should have been there. The, so frankly, it didn't make any um, sense. Wait, w- w- uh, what's the saying about um, um, settlers and uh, pioneers? Right, Pioneers are the ones that, you know, the first through the door are the ones that take all the heat, and then the settlers come in after and just, you know, rest on their laurels. Because uh, Canopy was a pioneer. They were one of the first. There were there were very few ways you could get exposure to a cannabis uh, in an individual stock. Oh yeah, and Canopy was one of the first. And and, and Kramer not, was on Best of Breed. How many times you know is he saying this is Best of Breed? This is the one you have to own. And he's on you know yesterday, and he's or they talked a couple days ago. And he's like, well, we can't own these things. And they're paying for it. They're paying for the fact that for a while they were the only game into there was like three they games were. in town and their canopy was one uh chronos was the other you had a aurora you had a freya and you scotch there was yeah. there was in canada right. at one time there were 27 pot licenses like or you know, marijuana like growing licenses that yeah. were given out 27 uh-huh. yeah i don't know canada how many i'm trying to google it um marijuana licenses but you know every like i'm talking like even you know in leamington where canopy where where uh where afria is yeah there's you know three four five other grow ops doing the same thing down there now i mean in in just that little area i mean there's hundreds if not potentially thousands of companies coming in and doing the same stuff now so we said you know once you know competition starts to intensify it's going to be the time to get the hell out of all these names and competition has come from the u.s from everywhere and now you're looking at the valuations and there's just not enough. The pie, which is getting bigger, is not big enough still to justify all those valuations. And that's why you've seen this huge multiple contraction coming in, you know, where you're eight times sales. Are you going to go down to seven times sales, six times sales? You know, you could reasonably see where, you know, and again, you know, this is the worst time to talk bearish about the pot stocks because I've been talking bearish the whole time. And we're going to have a January effect. I think some of these stocks are actually going to get a lift in January, but there's so many better names that, you know, that have been beaten down yeah. to get into other than trying to be a hero and call the bottom and pop. And, and, the, and the other side is you can say, okay, well then go ahead and short it. And it's like, well, why would You're I way short- late to the party on that? I too, I short it now. It's not- yeah. <laughs> way late to the party. I mean, the uh, things went from 60 to nine. What do you, so at a certain point in time, it's three, how much four, more five bucks, on the bone is there? Bucks. How much more meat on the bone is there to short? You know, the, you have to ask yourself that question. $7 on Tilray. What was the high on Tilray again? Well, 300. 300, Dennis, but that doesn't count. Oh, okay. Because so, of the merger? 300 because it went from, one, I'll never forget that day. Tilray went from 150 to 300 to 150 in the same day. And I thought that was the peak of stupidity. And little did I know. Just incredible how, you know, and, and you know, the, and that's why at a certain point in time, you know, even if you're saying I'm going to hold this forever, when it just gets to nosebleed territory and you're sitting there and, you know, you don't understand like how much money you just made, sell, sell some, you know, just, you know, lighten up because this is turned now and it's ugly and there will be bounces. 
and I think those bounces are to be sold. But I do believe a lot of these beaten down names. So if you want to take a flyer on Tilray, if you want to take a flyer on CGC, I don't think you're in bad shape here. I would stop myself out on the lows, 852. Um, and then you're you're playing for the January effect. You're playing for that one or two weeks in early January where a lot of these names, the tax loss selling will stop. Don't kid you. There has been massive tax loss selling knocking CGC down. Massive tax loss selling knocking Tilray down. That should, you know, cool off, obviously, in the next few days. And you should start to actually see a relief pop in some in some of these names, I would think, yeah. in early January. So there is, a, there is a play here to get long some of these stocks in the next few days for that anticipated January. And, and actually, that same logic could also apply to theoretically anything. It could, it could apply to ARKK. It, it totally could, applies it, to ARKK. It could apply to Zoom, uh, Peloton. Yes. It could apply yes. to anything. Yep, all of them. I think um, all of those could get a pop in January. So actually, as a trade, and I don't have any of these on yet, but you start thinking the next few days, maybe you want to position yourself in some of these laggards for that anticipated pop in 2022. And remember, you know, and, and different countries work in different rules, and Canada works on settlement date. Ooh, so actually, December good 29th. Tip. Good tip. December 29th, like U.S. works on trade date. Canada works on settlement date. So January 29th is actually the last day to realize those losses. So come December 30th, like me as a Canadian can come and start buying these things, you know, and, and you know, on December 30th, and you start thinking that maybe that's, you know, going to start lifting as well. So just remember, you know, that different countries work on different rules. So in, in other words, if you're in the U.S., um, and you're and you're selling uh, losers to offset any gains that you have, you yep. you have until the last trading day of the year. Yeah, Canada, you have until the last settlement day of the year. Yep. Which is two um, days before, which is two days. Well, well, no, it's right two, because two it's, day settlement, 29th. It, it, it's T plus two, so they do it as like the deadline is because it's T plus two. You have to go from the end of the year minus two days, so it settles by the end of the year. So yes. it's the 29th. So you have an extra two days if you're in the U.S. to sell any 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 losers to offset gains. It's a it's a good little tidbit there. We yeah, should, we, we should mention that every year. So good thing. Good thing yeah, so you that. Canadians, the 29th, you don't have to tell the 31st. You start selling stuff on the 31st, and it's going to roll into the next year. So you're going to be like, oh, man, I missed it. 29th, Canadian. Yep. I'm Canadian for my longer-term stuff, my longer-term account, you know, and obviously that's outside. Obviously, if you're inside a registered account, it doesn't matter, but it's the 29th is the last day to realize those losses. All right, so it's an interesting trade, and we can talk about this with our guests as well. It's an interesting trade of trying to set up longs on on all these laggards. Pick your poison, I think right? so. Uh, I think and and, a... and, and you, you you would probably want to do it in in any name that you could find a you know some sort of a, it's not an all time low, right? So like not like Robinhood works here. Robinhood's not at an all time low, so so that works. But uh, I. Like you could probably do it for a lot of them, frankly. I I think the bottom is in on a lot of these names. It's not the the bottom, but I think the short term bottom is in a lot of these names. I already set it up on Hood. You know, when we we're eighteen yeah. twenty, we haven't gone too far from there yet. But I was like seventeen oh seven to stop out there. I haven't put a lot of these trades on yet. I'm you know I'm I'm scalping, doing all sorts of other things. But you know I don't have any. I don't think I have any swing longs on right now. But I probably am going to start positioning myself in the next couple days on pullbacks. If I get some pullbacks on some of these beaten down 
growthy type names. I'm going to start positioning myself for swing trades to try to take advantage of that potential January effect. I mean, nothing works forever. You know, it's not ne- it's not absolute that they have to go up early January. It's just, you know, it's seasonality. So you more often than not, they start to see a relief pop, these beaten down names in early January. So you're just playing the odds. Mm-hmm. And the odds are in your favor to actually be long some of these growth beaten down names yeah, for, for early January. For trade. And, uh, yeah, you, for trades. Uh, uh, Decline is asking about upstart. Yeah, that's that's what we mean. We, we mean any of these stock. Well, upstart is kind of a Well, actually, I don't know if I'd say upstart because, you know, how many people are selling upstart for uh, tax loss? This year, I, I don't know. So I bet you there's some. So I think Upstart's a good candidate. There's right. some people that bought this thing at four hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, yes. and they're yeah. like, "Wow, I need you know, I've had a good year." I look at right now, and I will tell you, I had a really good year this year. And yeah. I will look at in the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and 29th and sell everything that I potentially can that I'm down in just to try to minimize that tax bill. Sure. So it won't even matter. Like unless I was really convicted on the name. I'm probably going to sell, and you know, there and there, and I've already been doing a lot of it. I've already lightened up a lot of those names, but you know, you just look here. Like I have one, you know, that had APT, which was you know the the mask maker, and I'm going to oh, sell. Yeah, all what happened? Yeah, that? I know yeah. that just got absolutely crushed. I if had you that. go through your portfolio and sell your losers for tax loss, I mean, yeah, it, I'm it, getting rid of all that. So a, that's going to be sold cathartic. in the next two, three days. It's very cathartic. Like, you're gone. You suck. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. And then you're clean. <laughs> You've got a clean slate to start. So it feels good. It feels great. Yeah, it's cleaned right up. So you got to clean it. You know, it's like debt. What do they call it? Deadheading, you know, your garden or whatever when you're popping off. That's what you got to do to your portfolio. And you do it at the end of the year. You get rid of all this garbage that you, you know, you're wrong on. Because you know what? We all make mistakes. We're all going to be wrong. If I was if I was a hundred percent right all the time, I'd be the richest man in the world. You know, like and it wouldn't even matter. I wouldn't even have to trade. So we're all right. We're all wrong. You know. So you got to take your losers, and if you haven't been taking them along the way, and you're sitting with some pretty doozy ones, you yeah. take them at the end of the year. You save yourself a little bit on your tax bill, and you start fresh. That's how I do it. All right. Uh, for those who care, the G- the revision for GDP was that came in actually higher than than the prior number, but by it's two point three percent versus two point one percent. But not really moving the market here. Let's bring on Chris Temple, editor of the National Investor. I, I wonder if Chris gardens. Uh, let's ask him, Chris. Do, do you know your gardening terminology or or not really? You know, I'm great when it comes to growing food, guys, but lousy when it comes to flowers. I couldn't tell you the difference <laughs> between a dandelion and a rose. What 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 kind of food do you grow? Most every kind of vegetable you can imagine. Uh, no no set thing. I mean, I don't do it as much in Florida as I used to do up north. Uh, believe it or not, even though we've got a much longer growing season down here. Uh, but most of my gardening these days has been when I go up north in the spring to visit my children and grandchildren for the summer. I help my oldest daughter put her garden in. And that's fun. All right. Chris, let's talk about uh, – let's get your overall market thoughts here. So far today we've talked about the the impact that uh, the Fed uh, is or isn't having. We've talked about uh, what the market thinks or doesn't think about Omicron. I, I'd be curious, like heading into next year – what do you think is sort of like the biggest theme right now? I think the biggest theme is we're all going to be looking to the Federal Reserve to see if they are really serious uh, with what they've started to broadcast recently. Uh, We've had a Fed chairman who, when he started this job almost four years ago, correctly pointed out that the last two major busts that we had for both the economy and the markets were the Fed's fault. 
for blowing too many bubbles, letting liquidity and his favorite word, the euphemism for this, imbalances get out of hand. And then the markets went down because they were too lofty and took the economy with them for a while. And the Fed had to clean up that mess. He has done things in the last two years with the uh, pandemic as an excuse or not that would make Alan Greenspan blush or Ben Bernanke blush. Uh, we have seen all of these bubbles blown again to the point where now you have everybody uh, saying that the Fed has overdone things, not only some of the smarter people in the markets, but where this has really come home, I think, and, and, and I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall guys at the White House when the president was talking with Powell and with the new vice chair nominee, Leo Brainerd, to say, hey, we're going to get annihilated at the polls next year. These guys think that I'm the reincarnation of Jimmy Carter. Inflation is the worst in 40 years. Do something. And again, this shouldn't. This is not a surprise to any of us. But where it's really starting to hurt politically is where people are understanding that the Fed is responsible for all of these soaring prices. It's not supply chain disruptions. It's not Omicron or Delta, or whatever other letters they're going to come up with uh, for the next variants they've got on the shelf. It's the Fed's fault because inflation, as the late Milton Friedman always said, is first and foremost uh, a monetary phenomenon. They printed way too much money in, in the name of saving us from this. Now they're trying to figure out how to dial it back. Powell deep down knows he overdid it. He knows he made a mistake. He knows he's way behind the curve. But China's already in recession. In Germany, the IFO business index has dropped for five months in a row. They're probably already in recession, though they haven't come out with the numbers yet. The only reason that the Bank of England just surprised markets and raised interest rates a little is because for the first time since George Soros pressed the pound 30 years ago, Currency traders were rebelling against it. It has nothing to do with the economic strength or lack thereof in England. So you've got a Fed that wants us to believe that they're going to be an outlier. And as a de facto central bank, really the whole world, because we're on a global dollar standard, they're going to tighten policy. It's going to cause a lot more volatility in the markets. It's going to cause a lot more angst. My prediction is we'll be here a year from now and the Fed will not have followed through on what they said they were going to do, despite inflation still being high. I think you're right. I, I think I, I think that too, is that they'll back it off, especially if the markets start to sell off because, you know, it's, it's you know, they say they're data dependent. We're not looking at the markets, but we know this Fed has always defended the market better than Absolutely. any other Fed. I feel like in history, I mean, we look and, you know, if you, the markets start to sell off significantly, they'll start to cool their taper talk. You know, they'll start to cool. Oh, maybe we're not going to do three interest rate hikes. Maybe we're only going to do one, you know, because, so it, 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 if the markets stay strong, they'll hold it up. But if the markets start to go weak, they're going to do something. That, so it's almost like if you're along the markets, it's hard to lose. <laughs> well, and that's what the Fed has been playing all along. Look, uh, I've said a million times, you don't have time for it on this show, uh, that the, un, the, the forgotten legacy of Paul Volcker was not in his first three years or so as Fed chairman, raising interest rates, stamping out the inflation and whatnot that we had back then. He, after that, starting in about early 1982, guys, inaugurated the current mantra of the Fed that it has operated under for 40 years. And that is to inflate asset prices as a first matter to enable more debt and to hopefully trickle down to Main Street and generate more growth. Problem is, as time goes on, they get less and less 
real organic growth in the economy for all the debt that's created, but they don't know anything else to do. And look, Powell told us last week, I think it was an answer to Steve Leisman's question from CNBC, uh, when he said, well, look, you're still expanding the money supply. Uh, one of the biggest jokes, in my opinion, about the Fed helping the little guy with keeping interest rates at zero and blowing all these bubbles, he's priced millions more people out of being able to afford a stinking home. That's not helping the little guy. And he's going to hear a lot about that when his reconfirmation hearing comes uh, late in January. That's going to be an entertaining thing. You got to make sure you have a good supply of beer and popcorn uh, for that one uh, when we get to watch that hearing. But, but look, Powell admitted in answer to that question that the reason he's not acting a lot faster is exactly that, Dennis, because he doesn't want to roil the markets. So that was the one implicit guarantee that we got out of the Fed last week. The other being that we may never, I'm older than you guys, I, I may never live to see positive real interest rates again in my life uh, because inflation is going to stay a lot higher yeah. when it flattens out than people expect, but the Fed will be powerless to really catch up to it. So what, I, I wonder what you think the implications of this on, on, on like U.S. equities would be. Well, still, Spencer, you've got a lot of liquidity out there. I don't buy, although this is always possible because of the nature of our leverage on top of leverage on top of leverage today that we have. But look, I think that my base case for next year is that we see the headline stock indices down 10 or 12 or 14 percent, nothing drastic necessarily, but there's going to be a lot of churning. Uh, Barron's uh, uh, Forsyth column uh, starting out this week's Barron's had a statistic that I didn't even realize. The average U.S. stock this year is down 28% when you look at every single publicly traded company. So within the market, um, and this speaks to what you guys were saying before you brought me on, there's going to be a lot of bottom fishing opportunities, both for trades and both for good long-term investments, because there's been uh, a lot more damage within the stock market than people realize looking at the headline indices. That said, I think that's going to continue into next year. But I believe at least part of it's going to be healthy. You're going to have a growing stagflation environment where just closing your eyes and throwing money at whatever is popular, the meme stocks or whatever, isn't going to work like it's done in the last year or so. So you're going to have an opportunity to buy value, to buy stuff that's, that's cheap, that still has earnings. Most importantly, guys, stuff that has pricing power, because we have not yet seen a recognition among analysts or the broad market, either one, that corporate profit margins are going to get annihilated in the next year because of these rising costs, much more than we've seen. All right. Well, Chris, you just casually said that, yeah, I think the major indexes are going to fall 10% next year. No big deal. And I understand that, that that's normal on a historical standpoint, but that would also make next year the worst year since 2008. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, because you, you can understand why people are would not see that as as you know, oh, just a casual ten percent decline for the S and P for the year. It, it ain't no big deal, but to to a lot of people, it is a big deal. Well, you, you think it is a big deal, Spencer? Is what you're saying? Well, to a lot of people, we haven't had a year like well, that in thirteen year in thirteen years. Well, and here again, this is so, part of the problem today when we have this environment where everything comes too easy and too cheap, uh, including money because of the uh, price suppression by the Fed yeah. on interest rates. 
Uh, you know, I've been I've been doing this for over 40 years. I remember when 10% corrections were nothing. I remember when the Fed, when it wanted to change interest rate policy, Paul Volcker put out a press release while we slept saying, hey, uh, as of today, the federal funds and discount rates are both up 75 basis points. If you don't like it too bad, have a nice day. They didn't have a press conference. They didn't have a bunch of wordsmiths like they do with the Fed these days, yeah. trying to figure out how to massage the words transitory and imbalances and all this other nonsense that we get tortured with every time we hear these people. So, you know, investors today are spoiled. There's a lot of people have no idea what a a, a typical market or interest rate cycle is either one because the Fed took them away. We have no price discovery. You've heard a lot of people say that. We're going to get some of it back. I believe in this coming year. And part of that, I do believe will be that we will have a down year for the broad market. Again, not disastrous because as yeah. we said, the Fed will, you know, if, if it's not the president that needs to pens, it's going to be Powell if all of a sudden the market took a big drop. There, there is nothing wrong with, you know, the market going down 10% even, like I said, like would be normal for historical standards, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But for no. a lot of people, they've never seen it before. Well, right. but but, so. but but maybe to Chris's point is we did see a, obviously a significant sell. You're saying the average stock was down 27 percent this year. I mean, we keep looking at the broad right, indices that, and the spy fair. and say that's we fair. don't that's see fair. a sell-off. That's fair. But that's fair. but you got you know it's been held up by five six names. We know that right. Apple, yeah. Amazon, okay. Microsoft. So I think what you're saying, Chris, is maybe those names. You know, maybe it's time for them to cool off as well. Well, it could be, and 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 thank you for bringing that up, Dennis, because I'll clarify what I said. If the NASDAQ, uh, which would probably be down more like 20% next year, uh, and the S&P were down 10% next year. Those value stocks uh, that are down 28% this year might actually be up. Don't forget that there was a period back in 2000 to 2002 when you had the, the huge decline you did in the S&P 500, where if you early on in that process got into interest rate sensitive stuff and energy and commodities, you were making money as the S&P kept declining. And I do think we're going to see much that same thing uh, in the coming year. All right. That, that's totally fair. Chris, let's get to some specific names that are on your radar for next week. You dropped a couple uh, in the note to me. I want to ask you about uh, Floor, uh, yeah. FLR. I want to bring it up on the screen. Tell us why you like this name. I'll tell you what, I've been pounding the table on that for a while since it was down in the teens. Now it's been up around 24, 25 bucks a share. Two reasons, Spencer. Number one is that they own 60% of a company called New Scale Power, which has the state-of-the-art technology and small modular reactors. The new renaissance for nuclear energy is at hand. It's the only part of the green economy of the future that the Biden administration has not screwed up yet. Uh, and I don't believe they will. They're on board with this. So look, in 2011, guys, Fleur paid the grand total of $30 million for its majority stake in New Scale. It was announced a week ago that New Scale is going public via SPAC merger with a company that's already on NASDAQ. Uh, the stake that Fleur has Afterwards, will be worth about a billion three for their $30 million investment 10 years ago. Not a bad return. And if that's not enough, Fleur is a miniature conglomerate. They're one of the best engineering companies in the world in all manner of things. Their, their book of business has exploded. 
the stock is still being punished by a lot of analysts because they had a few quarters a while back where they underperformed. They've already started turning that around. They're, they've got a major job with LNG Canada, the biggest uh, uh, construction project in Canada's energy history. Uh, so this is this is something where as much as I am dicey about the overall history or future rather ahead of us for a lot of different reasons, if there's a stock that conservative investors that believe that we, we need to have a change in our energy mix, there's going to be infrastructure spending, particularly on nuclear energy. This is a Cadillac of a company. You can buy it and put away and forget about it. I don't say that about very many companies, but I'll say it about this one, guys. All right. But maybe one more where you're not at, where there isn't as much of a strong of a fundamental case. What about Sarepta here? You know, Sarepta is my all-time winner. Uh, I knew this company well over 20 years ago, and it was a little company called AVI Biopharm out in the Pacific Northwest. They changed the name, and I think it was 2012, a few months later, after I told people to get back into it at under $2 a share, they had their first breakthrough uh, where one of their drugs, which is now being sold to Duchenne muscular dystrophy patients, uh, actually showed that it can fool the body of a muscular dystrophy sufferer into producing dystrophin. Uh, they were the first RNA company that actually was able to commercialize their science. Uh, we got back in under two bucks, it ran up to 170. We traded in and out of it. I just told people to get back in around 70. Uh, there's a bit of M&A going on now. Companies like Pfizer are swimming in money uh, thanks to the whole pandemic business that they've had that has caused their cash to do burgeoning with money. And uh, I don't think it's going to be too terribly much longer before Sarepta gets bought out. It'll probably be about double to triple where it is right now. All right. So this one, more of a more of a potential M&A play in your mind than anything else. It is. But look, yeah. they, they've not needed a, any partner to commercialize now two different drugs. They've got the phase three trials that are due this coming year on a couple of their gene therapies. One of them they had a hiccup on early this year, which was the reason why the stock got cut in half uh, early uh, several months back. But I think they're gonna bounce back from that. It is really the elite company and the kind of science that they're working on. Notably, they rallied, and I didn't look into this as much as I'd like to yet, guys, but Pfizer, which also has a gene therapy drug, uh, just kind of fell on its face. So uh, I, I like Sarepta's chances to bounce back from that. And while we're at it on that, I didn't send this to you, Spencer, but I need to mention a huge winner of mine in the last year, Anavex Life Sciences, ABXL. They will be benefiting perhaps this year from Biogen's dog of an Alzheimer's drug that the FDA uh, approved several months back. And there's been nothing but trouble with that. This is, this is I think, is about... Between this and Frontier Lithium, of my big winners of the last year. All right, Chris Temple is editor of the National Investor. Uh, Chris, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. You, we will talk to you again in the new year. Look forward to it. Take All care. Right. Have good a good one. Thanks, Chris. All right, it is eight fifty-three. Uh, it is time for ticker time. So drop your tickers in the chat. We will take a look. Uh, here's one, Dennis. I know you never trade it. But I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. And that is, it was asked earlier on uh, Nintendo, which trades OTC in the U.S. So I know it's not on your radar, but I'll bring up the chart here. Uh, and they were, I think they were looking to, looking to see if this is a good time to buy Nintendo. Uh, 
your take. I mean, some of the gaming stocks have really been beat up, so let's just group them all together. Um, the only one that I own still is Take-Two. I own Zynga, too. I own Zynga and Take-Two. I've thought about getting back into, like, an ATVI, but they've had so many issues. Oh, wait. But on that note, though, did you did you notice the last couple of days? Well, I'll, I'll get back to Nintendo. I won't forget. But sure. did, did you notice the last couple of days in, in, in these names? Here, let's look at Take-Two and, and EA and all that. Uh, look at the last they've few days. They've been coming back. Yeah. yeah. Look at yeah. the last few days. Yeah, they've been coming back. The video gamers have been beaten up, and they've been really beat up. Zynga has been, you know, and obviously Michael Pachter pick. I think he brought to us around 9 or 10 bucks, and it's been a bad one. But Michael Pachter has given us a lot of good ones, too. So I'm never going to, you know, and, and obviously Michael Pachter, long-term time horizon. He still loves Zynga. Um, I'm sticking with it just because of him. Um, you know, like I said, I've been selling a lot of losers out of my portfolios. It's not one that I'm intending to sell. Although it's not a huge loser for me because I had bought it and then I sold it and then um, I rebought it around seven fifty, so I'm down about a buck and it has been great. The Nintendo's starting to show some life. I mean, the P is reasonable; it's like fourteen dividend. There is one point six percent. So you know, on pullbacks, you know, is gaming is games going away? I don't think so. Do they kind of you know benefit from this whole move to the metaverse? I think they do. So I think you still do want some video game exposure. So. Um, not that I'm buying NTDOY because I, I stick more to the North American companies, but it looks okay. I, I think I think you want to be long video games on pullbacks. All right. Uh, a lot of tickers flying now. Let's try to look for ones that we don't hit on too often. Um, or or, the, or or whose charts don't look identical. Um, huh. What about... Uh, Corsair is kind of the same trade there. So I, Yeah, I mean, Corsair has been beat up. This is actually one that could have the January effect, though. So I think the selling, I think the short-term bottom is in for Corsair. I actually would be a buyer of this on pullbacks. Again, we're always buying dips, not buying rips. Um, leaning on the 20. So, right. And that would just be a trade. That wouldn't be a long-term investment. I don't have a position on it, so I can freely talk about it. But I think... You know, the 20 is a nice psychological level here. It's been beat up, had a really rough year. It's one that could potentially benefit from the January effect. And what I call the January effect is the buying of the beaten down names. Um, some other people call January effect other things. But that's what uh, I call What it. about Crocs? I see you, Diego. What about Crocs? It, it had a huge run, and now it's come off. I've never understood this, though. No one understands this. No, I know. And maybe, you know, it's the fact that we all were staying at home and this was a kind of a stay-at-home play, too. But no. this is, I don't know what it is, but it's just the <laughs> stock. It seems like every time Crocs pulls back, it's a buying opportunity, so it's hard to argue with it. $130, pretty good support there, too. Could this benefit from tax loss on? There's so many people that are way up in this one. This isn't one of those names. Yeah, we've had a sell-off in the last month, but I think even on the year, I think Crocs is still up substantially. It is. You know, started the year around 70, and now you're looking at 138. So there isn't a lot of tax loss selling in this. I think if I'm looking at names that could benefit from what I'm talking about is that January effect, the buying of the beaten down names. I think I'm looking at, you know, um, those other names that, you know, have been straight down, those growthy names, those Kathy names, not so much Crocs. Uh, I just had one. Dropbox may fall into that category, right? Dennis? Yeah, for sure. No beaten down. Uh, maybe a short-term bottom. In I can't talk Dropbox. I have a position on it. Oh, look at that! I'm not gonna say if it's long. I'm just I'm not doing talk it. Whoever whoever drops Dropbox in the chat, Cole Taylor, you and Dennis are are on the same page here today, or maybe you're on opposite. No, I'm 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 not gonna say which side I'm on. I just All right, have a position fair on. Enough, fair so enough. when I have the short-term trades on, I don't want to even talk about them. That's fair. Okay, Ramon, we can look at Citigroup for you. 
How's Citigroup doing here this morning? Uh, Can't talk that one either. Hey, wow. <laughs> but I did. I, I, you know, long term, you know, on Citigroup, like I said already, has been beaten up. So I think some of the banks, I think I would want to own the banks into 2022. I think if we're right. growing in a rising interest rate environment, I want to be long some banks and they've been killed. All right. Uh, CarMax was dropped in the chat. Earnings. They had earnings this morning. It looks like they were good. Their earnings beat yep. sales. They're always good, aren't they? Isn't CarMax always beat? Uh, let's find out. Let's I feel go, like they always beat. Go to the calendar and pro. We'll go, you know, all time or at least we'll go to the last few years, whatever. Let's just take a look at. Uh, um, no, they don't always beat. Um, they usually beat. They don't always beat. Anyway, back to the chart. What do we got here in CarMax? Well, we're higher this morning off that report. I think the call is at nine, so it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh, wow, that's a good year for CarMax. I didn't realize that. It, Car- CarMax is just one of those sneaky stocks that you don't look at that often, but it always seems oh. to be going up. It's been a, it's a fantastic company that just seems to figure it, figure it All right. out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill um uh, yeah i saw the sea change news matt uh well, what is it the news uh, on that this is a cold pick um I, I know. And, and he's talking about it on his twitter sec he I know. So, so, some good ones so news. it's halted this morning because they they officially confirmed the merger with uh with triller uh i'm gonna okay. get matt kolb uh who who uh pitched this one like a week or so ago uh, on our on our on our channel, uh, I'll get him on tomorrow if I can. Actually, I don't know if I'll be able to because he's I think he's out of town. He, he uh, finds some. He's a fundamental long term yeah. investor, and he digs through and looks at all the information. And Kolb obviously worked for Benzinga for a long time. We yeah. all love Kolb, and he brings us. He brought us INSG. He brings us some really good names sometimes. Yep. Um, all right. It is eight fifty nine. Uh, oh, now it's nine o'clock. Look at that. So time flies when you're having fun. That'll be a wrap for this show today. Um, I have some programming notes and announcements to get to, but, uh, Dennis, I will let you hop and I will catch you tomorrow for One our more day last, this week for our last show of the week. Yeah. Even you, even you get off. I on get Friday, Friday off. Why well, I get Friday a day off? off. It's yes. amazing. But I'll catch you right here tomorrow. All right. Uh, some programming announcements for today. We are going to go from here to live trading with Benzinga, like we always do, from nine uh, till or nine five till about ten thirty or so. Um, but after ten thirty is where the day gets a little weird. We are not doing Benzinga live today because, uh, frankly, um, everybody's out. Is <laughs> is the honest truth? Everyone is out. Uh, I have to uh, step out. I'm going to. Uh, 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 Joel's mother's funeral today, so not doing the show today. No at the close today as well. Um, but we are, I think we are doing the roadmap, our NFT show. That'll be at 2 o'clock, and that'll be our only show today in the afternoon. So kind of a weird day. Tomorrow will be more normal. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, but kind of a weird day on the programming note. Uh, I was told explicitly to tell all of you, um, since you are already fans of Benzinga, like us on social media. Follow us on on the Insta, the, the TikTok, 
Are, are, are we still on Vine? Follow us on Vine, Facebook. Like us, subscribe, follow, do all that good stuff on social media. I was told to do that by our social media team. So I, I made the announcement. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Vine, MySpace, TikTok, all of it. We're everywhere. Um, thanks to our guest today. Chrissy, he's laughing in the background. But, yeah, I, I, I know we're on MySpace. I, I was on the MySpace yesterday. Um, uh, hit the like button. Uh, like and subscribe. Thanks to our guest, Chris Temple. Thanks to all of you in our chat, as always. Hey, I want to end the show today with a trailer for our last boot camp of the year. It's actually one week from today. It's going to be all day next Wednesday from 9 to 5, basically, right after this show ends, a week from today. We're going to have a full day of trading education. Uh, what's going to happen? Who's going to be there? You're about to find out.